everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you with us. I'm Catherine. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Dudes. Hey, guys. This week, we are doing something a little bit different. We, I think, promised more Marvel content last week. Unfortunately, um, we're just going to call it another glitch <laughs> uh, <laughs> and say that we're unfortunately unable to put out a Marvel-based episode this week, but we do have it coming. Um, we do. It's just kind of happened and unfortunately we weren't able to do it this week but hopefully next week but this week I am super excited because we are covering a game that I mean I can't I don't know about you Diz but like this is the game that got me into gaming so um it's like one of my favorite games of all time I I can understand why uh I can definitely understand why uh and if the title of the podcast of this episode isn't clue enough we're gonna be talking about assassin's creed black flag or assassin's creed 4 basically um so Cass, let's talk about this because i ended up playing the games chronologically like um yes. as they came out because um I played uh, the first Assassin's Creed game, then the Ezio trilogy, then Assassin's Creed 3, and then this. But you, you started with Black Flag. So let's talk about that because, I mean, this game is super cool. Like one of the best stories that this franchise had to offer, I I have to say. And we'll talk (laughs) about why, but let's talk about the difference it made for you because I think you said it got you into gaming in general which is super cool like for any game to be able to accomplish that like honestly but let's talk about that difference and I think and tell me how you think it piqued your interest in this franchise because I think it's an interesting take to have because I played chronologically like I said but you didn't um, yeah I did not know this was my first so I think I should I, I should rephrase that because I had played games before but not mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed this is my first time playing Assassin's Creed yeah. and this was my first time on like a big console like I had played mm-hmm. a lot of like Nintendo games and mm-hmm. like um I wouldn't count them as games, but like growing up, I did a lot of like those educational games that I were see like, what you, mean. Was, you were learning stuff, but like, you know, there was like, there was like some element of like gaming involved. I guess. So I don't know if you yeah. can really count those, but I did like, you know, a lot of Nintendo games and things like that growing up. But Black Flag was the first, um, I guess, like triple A game you could say that I really started with. And um, it was all kind of downhill from my wallet. From there. <laughs> I, um, I so I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, like I so I got lucky because I when I got a console bundle, it came um, with a couple of different games, and unfortunately, wasn't this Black the wasn't one, one that was like the, 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 was this a three sixty era or the Xbox One era? I feel like it's the Xbox One era. Correct oh, me. Yeah, if so I'm it was wrong. like right on the cusp of like so the Xbox One had already been out and um, it they had bundles where you could get Black Flag with either like the PS3 or the PS4 or the Xbox 360, Mm. Xbox One. So like it was like on the cusp of like what used to be next gen. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God, it used to be next gen. It's kind of, okay, yeah, yeah, you know what? We're all, we're all guys. 
PS5, yeah. Um, so like this was like right on the cusp of that, I think. So like yeah. they were still doing, you could get like 360 or PS3 bundles with Black Flag, mm-hmm. I believe, or you could do, like I said, what used to be mm-hmm. next gen, get the Xbox One yeah. or the PS4 with Black mm-hmm. Flag. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, unfortunately, didn't get a bundle, but I still got the game as a gift mm-hmm. and um, I fell in love with it. And honestly, oh, I think... God. For people who may have been like me, who have never played the franchise, like I had played maybe prior to playing Black Flag, I'd played like 10 minutes of Assassin's Creed 3. And like, I knew of the franchise. I just hadn't seen a lot about it. And Mm. I just hadn't looked into it much myself. Mm -hmm. So I had like a very, very basic understanding. And then Mm. going into Black Flag and kind of getting to see, um, you know, what it was like, it was so much fun. And also because I remember the very first game I ever played was Pokemon Red, which was way back when on the game color and you know it's a tiny handheld device everything's pixelated and it's like the only like it had some color but it was like very simplistic Mm. and then to go from something like that like that was what I remember playing to like Black Flag where it was like one of the first open world games um, of its caliber I think definitely the first open world game that I had played, it was just like night and day. So I remember mm. being like kind of taken aback by how quickly the technology had evolved. Yeah, I I, still remember I agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Fiddling with my tiny Game Boy Color on a screen that was like a couple of inches. I mean, it, it was a very small screen. And then, you know, know playing Black Fly on a yeah. much larger screen. That was yeah. uh, so much fun. But yeah, I mean, it was also like the setting is gorgeous. Um, yeah, let's so talk about that because and, this is so yeah. cool because it's set in the golden age of piracy. Like, oh my God, what kind of, that is such a cool setting, right? Because Every, for every possible person was like you know what I, if I can't make honest money I might as well get myself a ship and a crew and you know ravage the seas for money <laughs> so I wonder <laughs> so that's pretty much what was happening which is pretty cool and let's talk about that and let's talk about Edward Kenway because man is he a good protagonist like he's frustrating to be sure but oh my god so rewarding the story is so rewarding in the end so let's talk about all of that it is yeah and obviously a quick disclaimer before we actually get into like the meat and bones of the game um this is it's an old-ish game it came out it's almost going to be 10 years can you believe that yeah i think it's 2013 is when it came out right yeah 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 so almost 10 years but um if you don't know anything about it we're getting it into everything so just spoiler warning yeah (laughs) listener discretion is advised but um yeah i mean the the setting was i think really cool because i think i i remember us talking about this way back when after we had finished the game i think (laughs) we didn't have this as a concern so much when we started but I think by like you know maybe midway through the game we had kind of been um assuming that the game could potentially at any given point just kind of turn into like a Pirates of the Caribbean sort of yeah uh, saga kind of thing yeah Yeah. and so um I remember playing through the game and thinking like wow this is very different than Pirates of the Caribbean which you know was a big franchise and yeah um I think it, when you think of pirates and in, in media that's kind of what you think of oh, and true. So, um, yeah. yeah I remember thinking that like this game could potentially turn into something like that which would have been fun yes but I'm I'm very glad that we got the story yes. that we did because yes. it didn't turn into Pirates of the Caribbean no. it was great. 
Um, and there were just so many cool things. But yeah, I think like, again, like that time period, like the golden age of piracy, mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of games that covered that time period. And again, my knowledge of like games in general, it's very limited. Not true. Yeah, as far as we know, <laughs> no. But guys, again, if you guys know of any good any games that have such a solid story, please let us know. We'd love to play it. Like we're being oh, yeah, honest absolutely. here. Yeah. But yeah, Cass, you're absolutely right about that. Because I mean, again, we know the name Kenway. We know Kenway because that's we know Haven Kenway and we know Connor Kenway. But then it's it's also but then but because that we met them in Assassin's Creed Three, and here we have Edward Kenway, and we go back a few years, like a generation here, and we're like, who is this guy? How is he related to everything that we know? And then we get to know uh, towards uh, when we go through uh, Edward's journey. But then let's also. I would also like to talk about a very important shift in the narrative here. Um, Because for people who are familiar with the Assassin's Creed franchise, Desmond is no longer alive. (laughs) And according to a joke that our friends, one of our friends, one of our friends made, Desmond Miles is now dead man Miles. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, let's talk about that and let's also talk about how this changes how we go through this game as well because it makes a bit of a difference let's not forget it does yeah I mean having played as Desmond for three games plus um you kind of get attached I think to to him as a character and also he's like our tie-in to the modern world so I I think going from a bunch of games with Desmond as our kind of like manipulate I don't know how to describe that I'm not doing playable character playable there you go thank you I can't (laughs) (laughs) Um, but going from like Desmond as our playable character to what we end up with in Black Flag was a really big shift and I think Mm. probably one of the few areas that I feel like they actually went backwards instead of going forwards in terms of like um gameplay I guess because mm. Desmond is, is you know a fully fleshed out character he's got yes. several games to kind of evolve over and and you get to play as him through a yes. couple of big events in in his life and then in Black Flag because Desmond is dead for some reason they decide we're going to keep the modern storyline but we're going to have like a floating head so it's it's a new right? character that the player takes on and it's like you're like it, it's almost like a like a first, like when you do the modern bits, it's like in a first person point of view. So it's like you as the player. You're are the doing camera. Something. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you don't so, see anything else. The lens is you, basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I understand maybe why they did that because obviously Desmond was dead and, you know, to bring him back just wouldn't have made sense, I guess. Yeah. But I, I, I know we've talked about this a lot. We're oh not God, fans yes. of like that floating head type no. character where it's like there's no name, no face. Everybody's just kind of talking to you, but like yeah. there's no real story to like you mm-hmm. as as a like floating head character. It's not like you know there's no like backstory. There's no mm-hmm. no none of that. Like there's a very like loose sort of thread, I guess, in terms mm-hmm. of like what you do in the modern storyline like you're hacking and like there's a reason why but beyond that it's 
like that's it you're just a floating head there's no name no face obviously absolutely it was so refreshing by the time we got to origins when you get Layla it's like yeah we're back to character that you can actually play it that's true I definitely agree with you there I do oh my god but um uh, while the modern day storyline wasn't as good the Edward's story was that much more rewarding so let's talk about that and let's talk about the characters that we meet because oh my god the way they set this up is so cool right because Edward's basically a privateer he's working on a ship to basically make some money enough to basically make a decent living but his ship gets marooned and he is met by someone uh, who basically comes aboard the, their sinking ship and he's stranded with this person on an island. So let's talk about how that gets the ball rolling because it's a really interesting perspective because up until now, we've seen assassins through and through. Like, you know, these are people who have been with the order for quite some time, who have this affiliation with this creed, who follow it almost religiously, let's be honest. And here we have this guy who's like, I have no affiliation except money. Give me money. So let's talk about that and how that shifts uh, and how it changes the kind of story that we go through. Because I think I thought that was super interesting. Let's talk about that. It was, yeah. And I think, honestly, I feel like Black Flag kind of did what rogue attempted to do but better um (laughs) we don't talk about rogue here no no sorry you know what copyright (laughs) disney don't get me don't get me for this i'm not singing your song okay bye anyway continue Um, you're absolutely right We have strong opinions on Rogue, but I think part of the reason that I just wasn't interested in Rogue and kind of just didn't want to play it is because Mm. we've spent so many games approaching this from an assassin point of view. Like you play as an assassin most of the games and you kind of, whether or not you agree with them, maybe I was just kind of like, all right, you know what? I've picked my side. Yeah. plays as an assassin for X many games. Like, this is my side. That's it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. yes, like bad apples. We're ignoring them. We're just focused on the good guys. So I felt like when Rogue came out for them to suddenly be like, here's an assassin turned Templar. And then for kind of like dumb reasons too. Um, yeah. I just wasn't a fan of it. But I feel like Black Flag did it, it, like the story made much more sense where Edward had no affiliation like you said he didn't have allegiance yeah. to either assassins or Templars yeah he was really in it for himself yeah. and you see him kind of going through this journey of like doing all these things that yes benefit which him, we will like, talk oh, about yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he's doing all these things that like again you know it benefits him but it's also hurting a lot of other people yeah. and he doesn't seem to realize that until you know a very pivotal moment in oh. the game just like he, he looks back and, and and there's like so many amazing quotes but there's this one really like poignant one and, and it's just it's an amazing moment but um, it breaks your you, heart you, but we'll talk about that later for sure yeah, you see over time, you know, how he kind of goes from like this naive privateer who's really just in it to make an extra buck yeah. um, and how he kind of turns from that into 
a, a better person really and mm. so watching him go through that was much more rewarding in my opinion than anything that Shay went through and I oh, still to I, this day have not played Rogue um, yes again, I haven't either no mainly because to. of mainly because uh, of a character we'll discuss in this podcast because let, let's I mean we'll get to get to that character in a bit but let's talk about the Templars we meet here we meet Loriano Torres we meet Woods Rogers we made Julianne Ducasse, and who else? Um, there's, there's a couple more. Um, there's a few more. Because um, there, there's a lot of people you meet. Yeah, basically, Loriano Torres is the grandmaster of the Templars in the Caribbean area, basically. Oh, um, we, Duncan Walpole, who's like a big one. Duncan Walpole... <laughs> That's the thing, because Duncan Walpole was an assassin who basically turned on them. Yeah. So, so I, I always like to lump him with Templar. Yeah, I know, because he did give them information. Uh, he was stealing information from the assassins to give to, uh, to, give to the Templars. And um, I also like how they, um, because, uh, and the good thing is none of these people have actually ever met Duncan. So Edward's like, you know what? I'm going to pretend to be this dude and I'm going to just, you know, uh, see what I can make of this. If it, if it makes me some good money, I will make some good money. Um, so basically from that island, he actually gets on a ship that will take him to, that will take him to Havana where Duncan Walpole needs to be. Um, and let's talk about that because, oh my God, Havana, such a beautiful setting. Let's talk about that, right? Because it's, again, um, just, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's a gorgeous setting, but also just like that opening bit too. So like when you start the game in, yeah. in Edward's time, he's on yeah. a ship in like a storm that gets shipwrecked. Yeah. Yeah. And then the first land location you play is on an island. Yes. And it's gorgeous. Oh, um, yes. And then go from that to like civilization, you know, you would think, you know, golden age of piracy, it's like the 1700s. How beautiful can a city be? But, oh, but it um, is. Job, like recreating it obviously yeah. I don't know what you know 1700s Havana looked like but uh this version is is gorgeous and it was so much fun like just getting to like scale all these yeah little, like sync viewpoints and all those things like it was really cool right. so yeah. we have to mention that this was like when the Spanish had come over to Cuba basically to basically take over so there's, yeah, there's no shortage of like colonizers you've got the british and jamaica you've got the, you've got yeah because you got the british uh, who are like all over uh, the americas then you've got the spanish who are in cuba uh and you will get to see more well as we sail the seas as we as we sail through the caribbean um but let's talk about this scene where he tries to blend in and we meet someone who they call the sage because I think we've heard of this um, uh, this term in earlier games but this is when it becomes absolutely clear as to who this is and how pivotal this character is to the Assassin's Creed franchise in general so let's talk about that 
Yeah, I mean, the blood thing, and thing I remember that in, in the older games, it was always very frustrating because it was always like the NPC would walk faster than you walk, but slower than you run. So there's never yeah, like an I agree. Oh my God, yes. So um, frustrating. That is still the case, there. actually, but yeah. It is, but I feel like in in the in the newer games, like from Origins onward, kind um, of I feel like they've modified it slightly. Bit. So like, yeah, like you still have to like tail people every now and then, but like you yeah. can run further away, and you know they yeah. just it takes them like a minute to catch up. Mm-hmm. But like in the older games, you couldn't run. Like if you got yeah. to a certain distance, like Black Flag especially had like those boundaries, and like if you're oh yeah, like eavesdropping of... boundaries and all yeah, those yeah, tailing like, stuff. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna be yeah. synchronized soon, and it's like. I just want to get there quicker. (laughs) Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, no, that that tail thing, like the first time you do it, it was really interesting and like Mm kind of getting to see like the gameplay mechanics of like how you can blend in with like different groups of people, which had Mm -hmm. been very similar to previous games. But like this time, you know, they were, it was, I think, just different. Slightly different mechanics. I agree with you there. Yeah, for sure. And like, I guess different groups of people you could blend into. So like the sitting in a bench and like blending in with like Mm -hmm. random. You know, random people, people that was, yeah basically that was standard but like in this one you could hire dancers to like walk with you or like they would cause a distraction you could do that you could do that um, in assassin's creed 2 yeah yeah but yeah. i think those were like prostitutes <laughs> i mean not quite prostitutes but you know it was um, yeah let's uh, they, they're they earning their money they're earning their key yeah, let's not yeah, yeah i know what you mean money, i know what yeah, you mean maybe not. yeah continue. um yes. But yeah, I mean, like this one, it was just like an updated group of people that you could hire to, or not an updated, but like a different group. So like these are like dancers, also probably people earning their money and getting by however they could. Yeah. Um. So you know you could pay them what was like fifty reales or whatever to like something like cause a distraction or or something. Yes. Um. Yeah. It was just a lot of the mechanics I think were the same, but I think because this game was more of an open world and mm. i think it oh definitely more of an open open world because while i mean let's talk about that because um and we will discuss the sage in a little bit sorry guys we're jumping around a little bit here but up until now we were restricted to parts of the map right i mean if you look at this um forget assassin's creed the first game was restricted to three cities like it was Acre, jerusalem mm-hmm. damascus and sometimes masyaf sometimes right right yeah um, sequences. yeah exactly uh but and and in the second and third and in the Ezio trilogy again it was parts of renaissance italy you were either in florence you were or venice or or tuscany like tiny right. pockets right and again, in Assassin's Creed, and again, uh, uh, Revelations gave us uh, uh, Istanbul, which is again beautiful setting. I, I, nothing against it. Again, this game, this franchise has always done a good job of you know making you delve into these settings, which are just amazing. I, I will never fault them for that. Um, and but then Assassin's Creed Three, slightly bigger, but still kind of restricted because you had Homestead, Boston, New York, and then parts right. of the eastern coast of the U.S. because you didn't mm-hmm. go any farther. But this game, oh my God! Like this game, while it seems small at first, once you start sailing the seas, it just gets blown wide open. I cannot say that right. enough. so let's talk about that 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, the one thing that I definitely appreciated more in Black Flag compared to the other games, because like you said, um, the, the earlier games prior to Black Flag, the maps were fairly big, but you were still restricted to parts of a country or parts of an area, never the whole country or like yeah. a whole ocean or whatever. Yes, yes. In Black Flag, you literally have a huge portion of the Caribbean at your disposal. So like yep. Jamaica, um, Hispaniola, which is now, you know, present yeah. day Haiti and Dominican Republic, there's like yes. even like yes. um, the Grand Caymans and like, you know, the Western coast of Africa. Like We do. Yeah, like we, we go to Prince yeah, Africa. Exactly. Yeah. So you have like a huge portion of the Caribbean and um, I think one of the things that I loved that the games have done really well I think since Black Flag or like Black Flag and onwards is like you really get a sense of like the scope of like how big these locations are because I don't know what it is I mean again like the the games were amazing and like you know Mm -hmm. it like Renaissance Italy it was an amazing time period to be in but for some reason personally I never quite felt like it was as big as no you're was. right because uh, even if you go to like yeah because even in assassin's creed 2 you go to venice which is supposed to be huge it was a, it, it, the, i mean it is huge venice it's venice but then it's still because you're restricted to pockets of venice sometimes it does feel like restricted but this game is like literally it, it's blown wide open for you which is amazing to see i have to say um and now let's get back to the sage because um, the package that Edward is carrying has a glass vial with a with a droplet of blood, which is interesting. And we'll get to the whole thing in a second. And then there's the whole matter of the sage uh, because the sage is someone who, who has access to a place called the observatory and you can only open it with a drop of the sage's blood and for some reason this person is stuck in time like this person remembers uh like previous births or whatever that is which is really interesting so let's talk about all of that and let's talk about how important they made this whole sage business into this game. Because as we progress, this character becomes so integral to the plot. And it's crazy how they do that. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the sage is I, I think it's like a good mirror for the modern day storyline. Mm-hmm. Because in the modern day storyline, you're as the nameless, faceless mm-hmm. employee of the Stergo, uh, you're kind of given like a, a side job by a random employee named uh, John who's like, hey, what are they hiding from us? Why are we like yeah. working on something that seems kind of shady? Yeah. Why don't you do some digging illegal activities? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, illegal by Stergo's from Stergo's point of view, I think, and like find out what's going on. So you, as the, as the modern day player, then have to do like a whole bunch of hacking to figure out what. Mm-hmm. Stergo is hiding Mm -hmm. um and um what you end up finding out over the course of the game which we'll get more into but Mm -hmm. um 
in a very simplistic sense, it's just Abstergo is creating this huge front of saying like, we're going to have like an entertainment company, whatever. Yeah, we're creating a pirate themed game or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But really what they want to do is they want to scan Edward's memories and find the observatory because Abstergo is the front for the modern day Templars. And within Edward's time period itself, the Templars were doing the same thing. They were parading around being like, oh, we want all these reforms and we want to help people. Really what they wanted to do was get to the observatory and so they can control they everybody yeah. yeah pretty much like then go and control world leaders and kind of make them yeah. submit to templar will or whatever yep. so um it was just really interesting that like even in the modern setting like yes technology has evolved and you know they're cause or organization whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. has evolved but they're still kind of doing the same thing just with yep. better tech <laughs> Um, but no, this the sage does become very integral because it's his blood that's initially in the little uh, glass vial cube yeah. thing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, right. So he's the only one that can grant access, and so he kind of becomes crucial to either side mm. getting to the observatory. So yeah, but here's the thing, though. They want, um, the Templars actually want to keep the sage prisoner, but Edward is like, I want that observatory for myself before these guys get to it so that I can make money off of it, which gets him into a kind of, which puts him in a bind because he tries to free the sage and unfortunately gets caught because the sage has actually escaped, right? So, and that's when uh, the Templars find out that Edward is not who he says he is, right? Um, and they put him on a, on this, um, and I want to, I, I kind of want to stop, I don't want to use this word, but unfortunately the time period was such that they had slave barges unfortunately and that's when that's what they put him on to basically trade him away or something and this is where we meet one of my favorite characters in this game so let's talk about let's talk about that let's talk about Adewale who is one of my favorite characters in this game you know, he's an amazing character to like meet and see for the first time. And also because I think he's such a good friend to Edward in the sense that like Edward obviously um, went through some things mm-hmm. <laughs> and he wasn't he wasn't dealing with it very well and he was becoming I think a little bit reckless in terms of what he was doing and and the way he was acting and and Mm -hmm. I think some of the goals he was setting too he was not quite taking into account that as much as maybe he wants to kind of you know amass more wealth money is not everything and there there's more to life than just money Um, but Adewale was was it was such a breath of fresh air I think especially for Edward because um he had also, I think, been through a lot of stuff. And for him, it was like, he wasn't afraid to tell it to Edward straight and be like, look, you need to stop this. Or like, just kind of talk some sense into him at like yep. random points in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think if Edward didn't have him, it would have been a very different story. Oh, but, I definitely uh-huh. agree, dude. Because I let's talk about Edward's background for a little bit. He's Welsh. 
and basically he had a wife back home and he basically left that to left that home to basically earn more money and come back right but she was like if you you have a decent living here you're farming you can do what you have to do you can just do this and be content with the life that we have and he's not content and like you said he's not dealing with it well so he she's basically given him an ultimatum she's like if you don't if you go on this voyage uh, there's no way i can tell you what's what's uh, what's in store for us i can't tell you and and she she's just like fine you go you go do what you have to do but uh, but i'm not going to promise that i'll be here when you come back so that's the situation that edward's in and he's not taking it well so yeah, let's talk about that like yeah that was a very interesting scene to see because it, it really like kind of hits you that like um he had a life where he could have potentially been content and it's like one of those things where I think you understand where both he and his wife Caroline are coming from mm-hmm. um interestingly enough Caroline came from a wealthier family and kind of abandoned all of that to marry Edward and then live with yeah. him and unfortunately it's like one of those situations where it's like both of them are right but like neither of them can really rectify the situation I guess yeah. without unfortunately hurting the other one so um I think as much as Edward loved her he realized that like their current situation wasn't the greatest they were living in essentially a shanty sort of thing just like a a shack it was not a very a very well built uh dwelling and and it wasn't the greatest lifestyle but I think Caroline was approaching it like I'm with somebody I love it could be worse and so for her it was like this is good like this is good enough like we don't need to do anything to like jeopardize this Mm. but Edward was kind of like like I can't live like this I can't like I think for him it was like a very personal thing I can't keep scraping for a living kind of thing is his deal I feel like yeah yeah and I think he was also approaching it like it's not just him anymore like after he got married it was now him and Caroline so if it had just been him he would have done whatever but I think some part of him did genuinely care about Caroline and I oh, think it yeah, did kind of hurt sure. yeah. kind of go from this I guess more upper class lifestyle to now this very sort of poor lifestyle where they're mm-hmm. just kind of scraping by and they're living yeah. in a very like dilapidated type uh house if you can even really call it that and it's just I think for him it, it's like a matter of pride it's like you give up everything and like I'm sure her family probably like talked smack about him and I think for him part of it was also like proving that like he's worth something but he's yeah that's too I agree for sure yeah yeah I think for him it's like you understand where he's coming from when he's like I can't live like this or I like we can't keep living like this or going on like this just getting by and like that's not really a life that's just you know us going through the motions but for her also like I think again you understand where Caroline's coming from because she's like yeah I'm content like I don't need a palace or a million and one different things as long as you know there's a roof over our heads and we're together that's enough for me and so again yeah. personally I was like I totally get where both of them are coming from I, like, I agree do, yeah 
For sure. Like they don't have the money to move to better lodgings or a better location. And Edward has a plan, but unfortunately, um, it's not fair to ask Caroline to like wait for who knows how long. So uh, it's a really interesting situation. And I think yep. you could debate it until you're blue in the face. I don't Forever. know. Forever. Yeah. Like you quicker. said, I absolutely agree. <laughs> But all this to lead back to Ade, because I think he's one of the best characters in the franchise. Like, you know, um, he's he's like. It's like, I think Ade kind of becomes a substitute for Caroline, because initially yeah. when Edward starts, I think Caroline is like what motivates him to do everything because he's like, I'm doing this to get back home like with enough money and and whatnot and then obviously as time passes and as we progress through the game it's like mm-hmm. he doesn't know whether or not he can go home he's always like kind of pushing his return he's like later later when I've gotten more wealth more wealth yeah. and then after a while you know when he and Ade start bonding it's like Ade becomes his motivation. Ade's like how much like, is going to can... be enough for you yeah exactly, exactly yeah oh my God, and then I think yes. once he starts kind of seeing like the truth and what Ade is saying he's like oh he's right like yeah I haven't been the best person but and, that and comes I, back later in the game but yeah. one of my favorite scenes but I agree with you there um yeah for sure and I love their escape from that slave ship and they you you know take the jackdaw which becomes such an important thing and then they also, go can I just say yeah. really quickly stealing a brig is one of the most iconic tracks yes yeah, I the music for this game, which we're gonna get into. Like, I could just talk for See, hours. The brick on, is like, beautiful. The like the best. Okay, this beautiful. game has the best pirate theme score you could ask for. I don't mm-hmm. care about. I'm sorry, Hans Zimmer. I love your work. You're great. But Brian Tyler and Sarah Shackner have just blown us away with the soundtrack, and we'll talk about it more once we get to the soundtrack bits because like you said stealing a brig is iconic so yeah and i'm pretty sure that we will uh discuss that when we discuss the soundtrack but we should but let's talk about ade and the jackdaw and everything so that we can get to the next part of the story where we actually get to nassau so yeah uh, uh like we were saying uh um praise for the score aside let's talk about ade and how we get to nassau because i think um ade makes a very good point because um uh, edward being edward is like so wouldn't you uh wouldn't you be uh better off in uh some place in africa where ade is like to a place i've never been i was that uh, i I'm I'm not going to fit in anywhere. This is the this is the kind of place I know among pirates. And Edward's like, okay, sounds cool. And then he's like, so and what kind of job would you like to take on this ship? And I love how Ade's like, I can uh, I would not take anything less than a quartermaster. And I was like, yes, do that. And I was like, so cool. That was pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate that you still have to talk about race but the timing is such an important guys for whoever for if you ever play freedom cry i'm i'm bound to give you trigger warnings because there's a lot of stuff in that game that dlc that could trigger anybody i swear to god it is not i, I mean i mean i love out to pieces and i enjoyed playing that 
piece of his story but oh my god is it it is triggering as hell just to let you guys yeah, know it's, it's a rough like the subject matter i think it's really rough yeah. or like some of the gameplay things you do yeah. which you do in this game too but to a lesser extent yeah, yeah. um like you said it, it is one of the unfortunate kind of i, I guess consequences that you yeah. have to face in playing a game that's set in this time that yep. you know unfortunately people were just as much of like i mean people are always like there's always going to be people who are just oh, yeah. dicks. Okay. <laughs> and um you have a whole bunch of them in this game who are mm. just um like the scum of the earth type characters who oh for sure actual human beings and it, it's just um you know, in this, thankfully, it's it's a fictional thing that's like you know set in the real world, but you know it does unfortunately depict things, things that, that historically actually happened. happened. Oh so, my god! Yes, um, yeah. That's you know like one of the 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 really I think harsh parts of this. Yeah, and it's like one of the difficult to things too because yeah. it's like you know it, it it's like a. I don't know how to describe this, but like it's it's a black mark on human history, you know. Like it's it's something that never. never I know what you mean, but you're putting it lightly. But I know what you mean. I know exactly. I'm trying not to turn this into a rant on how. No, 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 no. no, Let's not. uh, But I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because every time I think about it, it just makes my blood boil. That like I just I personally cannot wrap my head around the concept of no to think that people people... did this to each other. Yeah. Like I honestly yeah it's mind boggling to me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm trying not to get too ranty about that because that's um there there's so much you can say on that and I don't think Mm -hmm. I would do justice to any of it. But Mm. um but no I I love that interaction with Ade too because it's so um I feel like they very easily could have gone like the accurate route which would have been Edward being like well you know based on other people and you know like trends or whatever you want to call it yeah um, I could make money off of you basically yeah yeah, that too but he's like all right quartermaster like you can be my right hand guy like why do we need to stop at quartermaster um but no I just love that Ade was like one I love that Edward just was like well what do you want to do because he had no idea and then two I love that Ade was not like trying to undersell himself and be like well I can be a deckhand like whatever you want and yeah he's like no I'm like quartermaster minimum yeah (laughs) so um yeah, I, I liked that. Like, I thought that was refreshing because I was fully yeah. expecting it to go like the opposite, where Edward's like, "Well, like, I need money, and like, regardless of what I think, I can make money off of you." But he was Ugh. like, "No, like, even I have my limits." And I thought that was like, if nothing else, that was like at least that's Edward one good thing. I yeah. I'd like to say, oh my god, yes. Oh, <laughs> you are so right. This story could have gone in a horrible direction, and I'm glad that they didn't do that. Oh my god, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they ever would have yeah. because I think if they had, you know, oh, done something dude, like that, that would have ruined been, them. That would have ruined yeah, them, and rightfully so. It, and yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that that sort of thing. Like we don't need to replay that yeah. not in a game for a number of reasons, not the least of which, you know, it, it's an actual thing that happened. And I feel like putting it in a game and, and having to kind of like relive that is kind of disrespectful. It so, is. um, you know, making that the focus of the game and then kind of presenting it in, in some sort of way. Like, this is a game where you get to replay these horrific things that happen to humans. Like, no, oh, nobody wants dude. that. Yeah, which is um, why Freedom Cry is so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the sense that I'm glad that it was played 
from the perspective of a of a man who has faced that mm -hmm. situation yes, yes. like freedom cry which is for those who don't know the dlc that yeah. went with black flag or came after yeah. um that's it's a little bit more nuanced with that because that's from Ade's point of view yes so as as hard as it is and, and again like it, it can it's be triggering as hell like... yo i mean i i swear to god some of the sequences in that game really hurt it, it really hurts mm -hmm. to play but like you said it makes it slightly easier considering you play as ade and as and as a man who's faced this faced this kind of life himself he is committed to freeing these people and making sure that they have a good life so that mm -hmm. i think is an important distinction to make when you play freedom cry for sure i Definitely. Yeah. yeah, and it's certainly better than, you know, making Edward, who is a Welsh man and yeah. white, you know, yeah. having any sort of, you know, dealings with the, the actual trade of, of actual people. Um, so, I, I don't even yeah, want to call I, it that. It's so horrific, but yeah, I know what it you is. mean. Like, I know like what that, you mean. You know, yeah. Like, again, like it's, you know, unfortunately, because it was set in a time period where people thought it was okay to do this, do this sort of thing. Mm. Um, there are references to it, to it throughout the game, but thankfully, yeah. they're very limited. And yeah. you as a player or as Edward, and your perspective don't actually engage is in that, yeah, we don't engage in it, thankfully. And Ade is a very refreshing perspective of a man who's basically made something of himself, which is great to see, like, which is again amazing um uh, let's talk about how they go to nassau because this is where we meet a lot of other cool characters in this game as well like oh my god such cool characters like ben hornicle and uh charles vane and thatch and uh, it, it's so cool so let's talk about all of it and how we start recruiting sailors for the jackdaw and everything and this is when the world is thrown open for you because after you start working with the jackdaw, you can just sail anywhere in this game and, and just loot ships for plunder. And it's just one of the best things ever. Like it's such a, and you get the sea shanties, which is again, so refreshing. I just love the whole thing. Let's talk about all of that because I know I'm ranting and I'm raving about this because again, such a cool setting to get into, to be honest. It is. I mean, Nassau is, is very interesting because it's like kind of the opposite of Havana. Mm. Like when you got to Havana, it was like, you know, it was like a proper city. It was yeah. like, you know, there was buildings and, and I mean, all cities have buildings, but it was like developed and, and yeah. modernized as, as much as the times allowed. Mm -hmm. But Nassau is like essentially a collection of like, shucks all just kind yeah. of shoved together on an island with uh no real law enforcement no real economy or like trade or whatever they were their own kind of governing body and i think that's what drew a lot of these characters that you see because for them it was like their own like kingdom kind of like it was just yeah. ruled by like pirates or privateers or whatever mm -hmm. and it didn't really belong to the british or the spanish it yeah. was just kind of like a piece of land that some people settled on and so for edward and, and his friends Ooh, it becomes yeah. like a yeah and, and his crew but also like literally you know his friends like his friends uh, yeah his band of people and... basically yeah exactly yeah, yeah it, it becomes kind of like 
their like territory kind of like that's where they go to kind of catch up and, and like in between missions and stuff like and, that and basically and, uh, catch up catch each other up on hey where's the next uh, loot what's our next catch you're going to be like you know like all those yeah, it's things kind of like i think like their home base essentially yeah it's, exactly yeah uh, it, it later transitions but like at the start like that's yeah that's their home base yeah Oh, that is, but I think later we do set up an actual base, which we will talk about. Um, but uh, let's talk about how, because I love how Ben Hornigold is the one who's like, yeah, let me teach you how to uh, plunder and we learn how to loot other ships, sink them, and all those things. Let's talk about the naval combat, because, oh my God, is it, it, it's so cool. I mean, let's just talk about that, because, oh my God, so much fun to do. It was a huge improvement over AC3, which was, mm-hmm. looking back, kind of limited yeah, <laughs> in it was. what you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the naval combat was a lot more fun. And I think to this day, Black Flag is probably the only game where I will willingly like engage in naval combat. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I enjoyed it, or like as much as I enjoyed like combat in Odyssey, I the naval portions, it just wasn't the same. Um, it's well, they made bad, it different in Odyssey. Uh, yeah, because Odyssey's nice. not the main focus, but like you can, yeah. you can still like it enables a big portion of, of Odyssey because Greece yeah. is just you know it's a yeah. bunch of different islands and you yeah. know a huge. Um, I think they made good improvements, that, but uh, but yeah, but Black Flag yeah, is where but it was it, extensive. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, and also like I mean you know Golden Age of Piracy, you need to be on a ship and like you need to engage in naval warfare and um there's nothing quite like scaling a man of war like the main mast and and, like looking down at like the chaos just beneath you I agree uh, and and it I don't know it was like you know because you had like the like the mortars and you had like your cannons on the ship and mm-hmm. um you had the chase it, cannons like you had cool the swivel and, cannons you had the you had the fire barrels you had the mortar oh my god such cool yeah things. yeah so like there were so many cool things yeah. so many interesting things that like just were not really around uh you know during the time of odyssey which was you know much earlier so it was really nice um i mean again like not to to pick on odyssey like the naval odyssey is fine it's actually a lot of fun all things considered but um it's much more simplistic i think because you know they have like bows and arrows (laughs) and like i I don't want to say primitive cannons but like it's not as advanced or i guess they don't do as quite as much damage as like the mortar couldn't black flag or like you know just shooting a bunch of I, yeah, I remember like playing the first time and thinking like I am never gonna get the hang of this naval thing. And then there was a point where like I would pause like the main storyline just to do like random like fortresses you, and things like you, that. I, I don't think I don't think you're the only one. I did that every single time. Every <laughs> well, single time I, I had too. the chance to loot a ship. Again, let's go with the, let's go with the combat music again. Every time you engage in combat, again, thank you, Brian Tyler, and Sarah Schechner, because you made it that much more interesting for us to get into combat on a ship and do these crazy things, which is amazing. Uh, 
Yeah. Also, I should just point out, or we should just point out that there are other people that worked on the music beyond just Brian Tyler yeah. and Sarah Schachter, but like, unfortunately, those are the only two names I recognize. <laughs> unfortunately, and, whoever um, worked on the music, thank you guys. We really appreciate you. It was really great. But yeah, yeah. Um, we under so once we get to know the rope, we get we get to um, basically know the ropes, and Edward begins his quest to the observatory i think that's when he actually has to um is this when he actually goes to julian ducasse or is it mainly because uh thatch needs a ship i can't remember because both of those side at some point yeah yeah i'm mixing up details too so i can't remember specifically which one is which but um yeah i mean there's just so much in this game i think i think it's because uh thatch needs a ship and julian ducasse's ship is like this huge um (laughs) man of war um that is parked uh, is basically docked at an island and thatch is like yeah now that you've learned the ropes help me get that ship and that's when that happens and that's when you make your first assassination in this game and mm-hmm. this is when you actually set up an actual base, the Grady Nagua. So let's talk about that, because I think that was pretty cool. It was. And I remember exploring Grady Nagua, and there's like this beautiful kind of mansion type yes. house on the island. Yep. Um, and obviously, once you kind of take over the island, I'm assuming the house becomes yours. Um, but like Edward used it as his new home base. And there, yes, there's he like does. a a room in the house it's like a sunroom type thing mm-hmm. like a you know giant bed and whatever and like there's a half naked woman lying on it and like you can walk in and then she'll have like a or she'll say a couple lines of dialogue or something and I just remember I don't remember what the specific lines were but I remember seeing that for the first time and just being mm-hmm. in stitches because I thought it was like the funniest thing ever yeah but like this random woman was like I don't know what happened to the old guy but <laughs> excuse me owner welcome <laughs> Um, but yeah no great Nagua was uh it was really nice because I think like you kind of had similar bases in other games mm-hmm. that you could yeah. like build out and like you know equip with like fancy new things and whatnot. upgrade and, them basically yeah 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 right sure, yeah sure. and I think great Nagua if I if I remember correctly I think you get discounted upgrades at great Nagua right I think you do uh, once you get to a certain point, yes, I think so, uh, if I remember correctly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, either way, whether or not you actually do, it was really cool to have, like, your own kind of private island, and I just thought that was so neat that, like, Edward got this, it was a relatively big island, too, I think, compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, it was, um, it's pretty and, big. Yeah, and it was also pretty isolated in the sense that it was just kind of it's actually closer to west africa i think than it is yeah like it's in its own remote pocket i'd like it's it's mm-hmm. it, it's like in a pocket that is not easily reachable i guess that's what i can say um yeah, whether or not yeah in terms of reachability i actually obviously don't yeah we reset so how hard it could it be but i know what yeah. you mean though i I, know but what then, you mean. I mean i think for that time like whether or not somebody wanted to reach it 
or not mm-hmm. like it would take them a really long time like especially if they didn't know where they were going it would take mm-hmm. them it's like looking for a needle in a haystack it's still yep. like a tiny island in the middle yep. of vast ocean mm-hmm. so yeah it was definitely I think well protected in that sense but I just loved having like a, a cooler base because Nassau was really it was nice to kind of have like this kind of mm-hmm communal territory I guess where like all these different yeah. pirates could like get together and like have a pint or whatever and just like trade stories but mm-hmm. it really was like you really could see the difference between a place like Nassau and a place like I don't yeah. know Kingston where you know it like that it, it there's definitely more like infrastructure and there is definitely more like law enforcement and you know Mm -hmm. it's also a British colony but you know still like it's the quality of life in like a different territory whether it's Havana or Mm -hmm. Kingston whatever it's much better than it was in Nassau and so um as a character I'm sure Edward probably enjoyed Great Inagua more too because like there was big fancy house and like you just kind of took over things and whatnot but Nassau like you really get the sense that like despite these people having their freedom they do kind of live in poverty or like some degree of poverty because some kind of squalor i'd like to say but we'll talk about that in a bit um let's talk about some of the other characters here which basically integrates uh edward's story with the assassins basically right because um edward's after the observatory there's this one pirate called james kidd who Edward suspects knows more than he's letting on. And James does, but he's not telling. Um, And let's talk about all of that and uh, how he leads to, how it leads to uh, Edward actually attacking a fort where Loriana Torres is on after he looks at, after James tells him about this. So you can go on this chase for the observatory and get to the sage, right? Again, I will never forget the portion of the game where you start attacking, uh, where you start that mission to attack a fort and the music that plays, again, is so like, what is going on? Why do I feel these things that I'm listening to this? It's kind of like, oh my God, but oh my God. Again, props to the whole setting man it was really cool but it really was but no, James Kidd is I Kidd. think one of my favorite yeah. NPCs yes. that you interact with because yes. my favorite mission is a mission that you do with James Kidd which is called Unmanned it's the funniest <laughs> one if you know anything we'll about history you yeah. know that James Kidd is not just James Kidd yep. and is actually Mary Reed Mary Reed uh, and part and, of the assassins so let's yeah, talk about all of the that but um one I just love that whether you want to call her James Mary whatever mm-hmm. um I love that she saw Edward and she knew that like, despite this kind of weird sort of facade that he had where it was just like money 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 like just yeah. wealth, like that's all I want and nothing yeah. else she was like there's something in there and if you just like dig deep enough maybe he'll and put it to good use probably right. yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and so like she persisted it took her a long time but she finally got Edward to like kind of see that as great as wealth is it's not everything and I think like most people assume you can have all their like all the riches in the world but if you're alone or if you can't you know if you have nobody left with you like what are you going to do like you're just going to be alone and rich but like you can't buy friends 
not all of them not the good ones anyway <laughs> or like the real ones rather so yeah. um I, I loved that like despite Edward's kind of stubbornness at times she was mm-hmm. just like shut up and listen <laughs> but then yeah um like I said my favorite it's just that mission that you do where uh, uh let's she, talk she about who she really is let's talk about that in a bit but let's also talk about Tulum because this is where it gets really uncanny right because she knows that Edward's seen the sage. She hasn't, but she knows that the sage holds the key to the observatory and that the Templars are after um, the sage for that purpose, right? She takes him to the assassin base, which is like the Mayan uh, base of assa- uh, uh, the Mayan assassins there. And this whole puzzle thing that you do is kind of crazy, but it shows the face of the sage right there, which shocks both Edward and Mary. And that's how he starts mm-hmm. on this whole thing because now the assassins are mobilized uh, to get, have to be mobilized to get, you know, basically go after this thing. And it's kind of interesting how Edward's like told the Templars how to attack these assassins bases one by one and he's like I might have brought it on you and it's like oh god damn it Edward you did it for money and what did it bring you so I can understand how frustrated Mary must be and I keep and I have trouble saying Mary because we have a friend called Mary that we keep it's kind of uh but it's kind of interesting to note that as well but it's kind of I I, because I love I love her so much because she's amazing she's like she basically puts Edward in his place and like you know what you cost me my target and you're gonna pay for this so you're gonna make sure that you help me get this done and I love how that plays out and oh my god again I love how the story basically does um it basically you know takes you from all these places now it connects these stories together because uh of course uh, edward's just after the observatory but mary is after the templars and it leads and the trail that loriano torres leads it leads to uh a guy of a, a, a guy named prince lawrence prince or something if i'm not wrong <laughs> who is actually mm-hmm. holding uh, the sage hostage or something. for? Uh, but then uh, that goes wrong too. And then by this time, Ade is like, I'm done. You can't keep doing this. You can't just keep going after my, you can't just keep going after this just for your own people, you know, just for your own greed. You have your crew to think of now. And it's true, but let's talk about all of that because I love, I know, I, I know there's so many things happening and a lot of stuff that I'm missing, but let's talk about all of this and how, and that side quest is one of my favorites too, because the name, funny as hell, <laughs> first of all. Yes. <laughs> it was so really great quest yeah, too. I it mean, really was. You, you, the whole base of the quest is you have to infiltrate Prince's estate yeah to get the sage basically yeah right Mm -hmm. and and so in order to do that mary causes a diversion Mm -hmm. um and and you know she she takes off her her disguise and Mm -hmm. and just exists as she is and and there's a bit at the end where edward goes damn man how is it you're a woman (laughs) 
Is that something that needs explaining? Explaining. Also, the one thing that he did, I laughed so hard at that, basically. And there was this scene just before they go for this. And there's a line like, right after. She's like, he's like, um, your name is in uh, uh your name is a James kid, is it? Not most days. <laughs> And then not a word of this to anyone. They're all on menu as well. <laughs> like what? Yeah, that line. <laughs> That's at the end. But I just love the delivery because yeah. she also like winks at him, yeah. and I think Edward's like he doesn't know whether or not she's like joking. Like, how how serious are we here, dude? She but, could. For, okay. For all, she totally could. <laughs> she could. That's the thing. She could do it, and Edward knows that, and he's like, okay, you know what? I ain't messing with her. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's uh, and so his journey, and after uh, this whole mess with Roberts, he still goes after. Um, he he actually still goes after uh, Roberts, I think. But because there's so many crazy things happening, that that search for medicine that ba- basically uh, is plaguing NASA and, uh, how Blackbeard basically is so desperate that he does such crazy things to get what he wants. And let's talk about all of that because this game is about the golden age of piracy, but it also shows you how the net was closing in on them specifically. Right. So let's talk about all of that as well, because I think they did a fantastic job of showcasing that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, like you said, the game does a really good job of, of kind of showing that despite, I think, popular opinion, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there's like this general um, kind of consensus that like pirating was it's, like cool and there's like, you know, cool swashbuckling yeah. pirates on the high yeah. seas and adventure yeah. all the time and like mm-hmm. bar fights and brawl on ships and things like that. And mm-hmm. you do get your fair share of that in this game, but that's not all it was. And like you said, really at the end of the day despite doing what they did a lot of these guys were just looking for a place to call home and like mm-hmm. exist and make a little bit of coin um unfortunately it just so happened that they were making profits off of other people who were i don't want to say necessarily bad people not necessarily good people either just people you know who were doing their job i guess not, and the king's navy better, but like at some point mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, you, like you said, you really do get the sense that after a while, despite some of their, I guess, privileges or or some of like the benefits of their lifestyle, Mm -hmm. they're not as well off as you probably think that they should. Yeah. Agreed. Like again, NASA is like you said, it's it's not really a great place. Like yes, they're free, but most people live in poverty and or Mm -hmm. in squalor. Yeah. they don't really have access to like I guess the things that normal people would have like medicine like like there's that whole quest where you have to go and, and attempt to get medicine for the people yeah. of Nassau and it's literally yeah. like an ordeal like it just so involved whereas you know if you were living in like Kingston for example like you know there's I'm sure there would have been established doctors like all over yeah. the place and it would have just been a matter of somebody showing up at your door and being like What's wrong? How can I make you feel yeah, better? Yeah, but here, <laughs> yeah, they the don't have that. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
And again, it shows how it, that it got much desperate. more difficult. And I think when you yeah. look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. but also I think what's cool is that like it shows like a more human side to him too, because I yeah. think again, there's just like the, like the general consensus, like Blackbeard was like this hard, like badass pirate captain, which Thatch was in this game too. Yeah. But he also, without maybe showing it as much, um, or, or expressing it as much like you see that it really does care and like he goes out of his way to get medicine for not just like his crew and his people but just like nasa in general yeah so um because it's like that's you know that's kind of his his home base or like that's his um uh group of people so like yeah. he's not gonna let them die like yeah. if there's anything he can do he'll do it so you kind of get a sense that like despite being this big bad pirate captain who's got like a whole bunch of feats under him and and you know mm-hmm. he's talked about and all of that he's mm-hmm. he's still he's still um i, I would say he's, he's still he's a caring like, person he's better off yeah. than most of the people in the ruling mm-hmm. class who didn't care at all i'd say yeah right yeah so i just love like that aspect that you got to see like a more i guess compassionate side to him that maybe in like all the legends and all the stories is either overlooked or just altogether omitted Mm -hmm. so i really like that the game couldn't focus on it that long but like you do see it at different points and i think one of my favorites with blackbeard is just like the way he kind of takes steed bonnet under his wing yes steed bonnet in this game is just hilarious like Mm. he's kind of like a like a, a bumbling type character in the beginning pretty much pretty much yeah I'm just like trying to you know make some extra money to support my family and then like you see him in Havana for a bit or like you're with him there for a bit because you know you help him um back to civilization and then when you next meet him he's like yeah so I kind of just became a pirate like I am kind of sort of under Blackbeard's wing now and like he's still like the same kind of sweet unassuming guy (laughs) but you know he's he's now a pirate so I thought that was really funny and mm-hmm. also uh shout out to our flag means death for kind of portraying all of this in a much different way but yes. on screen uh that's uh it, it's a hilarious show if you guys haven't seen it and if you're interested in pirate themed shows that is an amazing show to watch mm-hmm. um but uh I, I don't know it, 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 there's just something about like watching that show and then having played this game every single time I saw these different characters I was like he was in black flag he was in black flag like I remember this yeah. black flag. so um there's a lot of great tie-ins but uh one of the things I loved is both in this game and in, in that show Steed Bonnet is like as hilarious as can be <laughs> I definitely agree because this is when you feel like, I, and, I, and I think we've talked about this a lot before, that the net is actually closing in on them. You can tell, basically, right? So, um, and even so, uh, and because of all of this, Thatch is basically decide. I think when does, there, there's a lot going on here, right? Because I think uh, Thatch has announced his retirement basically he's like i'm i'm out i can't do this anymore i just want to go out peacefully now that's pretty much it i've done what i've uh, i've done all the pillaging and plundering that i can i'm done right now and he also has a clue for um for edward about um about the sage about bartholomew roberts who's the sage Mm 
Um, and while following the clue up on the sage, he finds something, finds out about something that is actually shocking, which is a plot to basically blow up the great Inagua. <laughs> and basically that is one of the saddest, one of the saddest sequences because this game tops that uh, and, uh, and we'll talk about that too because unfortunately Blackbeard dies so let's talk about that he does yeah I mean it's a very moving sequence even though you only really spend a very small portion of the game with um, Blackbeard yeah. he's not like he, he's featured there are a couple of key moments where you get to interact with him but he's not as big of a side character, somebody like Ade or yeah. uh, Mary or, or, you know, any number of, mm-hmm. any of the other side characters who actually end up sticking with Edward and interacting with him mm-hmm. throughout the course of the main game. Mm-hmm. But having said all that, Blackbeard's death is still very moving because yeah. um, he, he kind of goes out the way you're kind of like introduced him to him. Mm-hmm. And I guess the way you expect him to mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of a fight, but it's also oh, just yeah. what he says where, you know, like, they're Oh fighting, my God. One of the best lines like, ever. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, he gets stabbed and despite, you know, being mortally wounded, he's still like fighting with, you know, everything he has. And then he, he just, he tells Edward, it's like, he's like, Kenway in another world, we could have been heroes. In a world just, without know, like, gold, we could have been heroes yeah. is what he said. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it. It's like the delivery and like, like the yeah. music and like everything just comes yeah. together. And it's just like a perfect scene. The shock the that, that you like, feel because for Edward, that's like, that was like, how do I put this? That was someone that he mentor, looked up to. I think yeah, a mentor, yeah. someone who he thought could was undefeatable. And yeah, it, it's it's definitely like it 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 tugs at your heartstrings, I think. Yeah. Um like because you said, whether or not yeah. they were super close, I think there was like a mentor-mentee type relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, beyond that, it was like they were part of a group that was unfortunately persecuted, you know, it like regardless of whether or not their job was right or wrong. Yeah. Um, pirates were not really tolerated in a lot of places. Oh, and so they were for sure, dude. they were like you said, they were feeling like the net kind of closing on them mm. and um, I'm sure Edward thought like if it was going to happen it wouldn't happen to Blackbeard because like he's legendary like of course it wouldn't happen yeah. but um, like you said you know he he says that really amazing quote to Edward mm-hmm. and then like that's that's it like he dies and it's mm-hmm. very moving and, and I, I, I think unfortunately it takes Edward a little bit of time to realize what Thatch meant um, yeah. you know when he's saying like essentially like in another world they could have been what they would consider better and and i think edward finally understands that but like slowly literally. a little bit a little bit <laughs> yeah slowly but, and then much yeah, in the game. <laughs> yeah for sure oh, dude um, it really hurts to see but this is when i think this is what starts him on that path but not fully because he starts thinking about it because he's like if blackbeard can go down like this what's left to what's going on with me i still have stuff left to do and he's still after the observatories of prize which is when we actually team up with charles bain who becomes an important character here so 
let's talk about we are going to talk about that uh because charles Wayne is an interesting character and again so uh, uh i think historically we he's we know bits about him but in this game he turns out to be a super interesting character and we'll talk about that for sure So yeah, like we talked about, Blackbeard's death actually does spark some sort of urgency in Edward uh, because he, I think he kind of understands that the net is closing in, but he's also not ready to give up just yet. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I think you can kind of see his stubbornness in, in different ways throughout the game. And I think that kind of comes into play here too because yeah. again I mean he's running out of options but at the same time given everything how would you how would you feel about just kind of turning yourself into a different authority I mean at this point like Edward's essentially been his own authority for mm -hmm. who knows how long mm -hmm. um ever since he started this privateering gig he's yeah. technically been like you know his own master and uh he, he plays by his own set of rules and all of that and now all of a sudden with like you know this crisis in nasa and nasa being mm -hmm. occupied and and these yeah. new, like sort of laws almost that are like or or, or i mean i guess it's it's more you i think your analogy is more apt in that like there's a net that's like slow slowly closing around them mm. um with that kind of you know getting closer and closer to him um i'm sure he's he's kind of just like no like i worked for this life i'm not gonna quit now yeah. and uh I, I think above all too you know he still wants that wealth that he's, he's like constantly chasing that so despite yeah. everything he's like until I get my wealth or whatever he considers to be wealth um, or like whatever amount he considers to be enough. He, mm -hmm. I don't think he would have stopped. So like definitely at this point, um, you know, despite all these kind of setbacks and losses, mm -hmm. um, even though it's like not directly related to his goal of wealth, I think he's still operating under that same kind of mindset where it's like, I've come this far, I've done all this. I'm not, I'm not giving up now. Because, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, let's also talk about how Hornigold is now taking that pardon, uh, who took the pardon during the occupation of Nassau, and that's kind of, that's got to hurt, right? Because I feel like Hornigold was one of those people, again, who Edward thought wouldn't defect, and he ended up turning away kind of thing, right? But... Um, that turns out to be consequential a little bit later, but for now, Edward has teamed up with Vane, to basically find something, uh, to basically go on a trail uh, uh, to find the sage again, Roberts. But the problem is that they are usurped by Jack Rackham and who, who basically starts a mutiny and throws them off to sea on a remote island. Uh, and what follows is one of the best pieces of voice acting by whoever did Charles Vane's voice that you can ever think of. Like, oh my God, that madness that takes him when he's on that island alone. You, it's just like crazy. Like, that's insane. Oh, but he But unfortunately, Edward managed to escape barely. And Ade is basically like, you know, um 
he's joined the assassins now and he's like i'm not i'm not doing this with you anymore kind of deal so let's talk about that and how he actually does find roberts and who leads him to the observatory uh, and then tricks him because this is when we actually get to go to principe like i think right so let's talk about all of yeah. that yeah i mean the scene with with ade kind of calling it quits with edward mm-hmm. as tough as it is it's yeah. also a, a really great scene it's, because it's necessary um yeah it's necessary and also like the way he just kind of talks to edward and like the thing he says like not just this particular instance but like you know over the course of their whole yeah. um like friendship you know it's he's always i think kind of given it straight to edward and edward yes. maybe hasn't always listened realized that or yeah mm-hmm. that too and so it was really refreshing to kind of hear ade just say kind of point blank like um you know you're doing all of this and and what's it going to get you like when you look back there's not going to be a single person yeah. who's going to stand with you um and and I think like this is kind of when it starts hitting for Edward that like yeah. again wealth is great it's good to have some sort of goal to you know I guess provide for his wife and all of that but like he's mm-hmm. been away from home for how many years and all he's doing is just trying to collect more and more for himself at the risk of like hurting other people and like you know he's not really taking into account what might happen or what what the mm. consequences of his actions are so um it was nice to kind of hear Ade just be like again very bluntly just put it and and, and say it in a very blunt and straightforward way uh not entirely unkindly either but just you know like putting but not very kindly and... either but <laughs> I get it Yeah, yeah, but again, oh, sure. I think he's just like he's he's blunt, but again, I think that's kind of necessary. What means. It's kind of like a wake yeah. up call, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think like that, you know, it's, um, it's it's hard to watch, but again, like you said, it's so necessary. And I think mm-hmm. again, like I've been trying to say very very badly, uh, yeah. I think that's what Edward needed in kind of like the the one thing that kind of really shakes him and kind of like mm-hmm. again it's like it's a wake-up call so after that then you know you kind of start seeing his like character reformation but like prior to that he's just same old Edward chasing the same old thing absolutely but then let's talk about the observatory because I feel like it's genuinely one of the craziest but also the coolest artifacts that we've seen in this franchise i have to say mm-hmm. so let's talk about that because what it is is incredibly fascinating and you understand why people are after it so let's talk about that yeah i mean i think the, the interesting thing is in the previous games the templars have always been kind of like I mean, I think you understand that there is some aspect of like villainy almost to their cause, mm-hmm. but I feel like in the previous games, they hit it a little bit better yeah. or they weren't as blatant about it. Whereas in this game, um, maybe because Edward is kind of, he's just like bracing, like walking into these things and, and, and just expecting to like, I don't know, game the system or something that they, these mm-hmm. people have kind of revealed more yeah. to him. Yeah. But uh, I found it really interesting that they were not at all very, uh, I guess, 
like they, they weren't trying to really hide what they were what they were doing i mean to like the general public and people who aren't involved you know with like the day-to-day affairs of like somebody in torres's position or something like that of course they wouldn't know but for people like edward i mean they thought he was an entirely different person yeah and so they were like here's all our plans and 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 then you know once they find out edward's not who he says he is they're like oh well now we got like the situation that we have to clean up and of course they can't because they haven't killed edward yep um and now he's just like out there uh and he and he knows kind of maybe not entirely what their plan is but he knows enough to to be a problem and so i thought that was really interesting that they were like yeah we're just gonna keep doing what we're gonna do and like we're gonna use some crazy artifacts to like submit world leaders or like make world leaders bow down to us Mm. and then like I, I, I don't know. I, I just found it really funny that like at no point did they think, "Hey, maybe we should get this guy first and then go after our plans." They're like, "No, no, no. We can handle both Edward Kenway and their plans for total world domination." Yeah, but also like the like the the comic book villain type aspect to it, where it's just like they want total total world domination and they're going yep. about it in a very strange way. Yep. Um, but they're still trying it. Like, you know, I just found that really funny. So. <laughs> It is funny. You're absolutely right. It's actually hilarious. Let's not lie. <laughs> it was actually hilarious. Um, let's also talk about um, again, the, the observatory is so cool because the, those little vials that you uh, that you collected in the beginning of the game, it turns out that the purpose of those vials is for them to basically spy on people like literally spy on people from that observatory which is like the craziest thing so now you and now edward understands the scope of it and what people could do for this and roberts is again out for himself so he basically betrays edward and basically you know sends him to prison uh to collect the bounty collect the bounty on his head uh, and this is where we get one of the most moving and, and one of the saddest scenes in this game or this franchise for that matter. So let's talk about that because um, yeah. we find I out it's... while they're being, while Edward's being sentenced, we find out that Mary and Anne Bonnie have also been caught mm-hmm. and they're actually pregnant and that you cannot execute these ladies while they're pregnant but they're going to be kept in prison until the end of their pregnancy so that they can be executed later which is sad enough but then he is in prison for all that time and these two women do give birth or at least mary does uh not mary yeah and no mary mary may have already i i don't know for sure but she gets really sick and it's and and she doesn't get the care she needs and unfortunately the scene that i'm talking about it's hard for me to still talk about it because it's, I, because every time i think about it 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 really chokes me up because it's really sad it's a very moving scene yeah it is because at first she's just walking with him then she's suddenly leaning on him and then she collapses and then you're like 
she's you literally have to drag her with you but then she's like let me put me down I can't do this anymore and it's just <laughs> really sad that uh, how Edward says damn it you should have been the one to outlast me I mean I can't and, and it just hurts to hear him finally say that to watch someone he really cared about go through this and then it's just really harsh so let's talk about that yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I think historically, Mary Reed did have a kid or she was pregnant at some point. But um, within the game Black Flag, you don't actually see her give birth. Um, when you kind of stage your jailbreak, she is, like you said, unfortunately, very ill and on the brink of death. And unfortunately, despite Edward's best efforts, um, she does die before they're 100 yeah. percent free. Yeah. Um and Anne is rescued and then she gives birth like almost literally like on the as boat they're leaving I think yeah. so yeah. <laughs> in the game yeah historically I, I think I think historically there's I, I can't remember if it's confirmed or if it's speculation but I think um it's speculated and or confirmed I can't remember which one that Jack Rackham was the one who impregnated her supposedly oh my god um, okay. so yeah Mm-hmm. um I don't know uh again, there's a lot fun, of yeah dude there's a lot of, <laughs> of it's just like speculation yeah, yeah. Um, but no watching that scene with Mary it was very moving and also like mm-hmm. the like you said the, the whole um bit where Edward's like you should have been the one to outlive me not the other way around yeah. um and the way she's just like she's telling Edward to go and she tells him that she'll be with him no matter what and yeah. there's that really beautiful track that plays too that just makes it stop it <laughs> stop it to um, me but I know what you mean yeah exactly um, but no it, it's it's definitely a moving scene but I think also what what comes after that where um as they're as Edward's trying to to leave and you know it one of the, the really hard things in the game I think hard is in like I guess from like a technical point of view is like you have to decide whether you're gonna leave Mary's body and then like hide oh, hell her no or no, um, no, and, no. And I was like, there's no way I'm leaving her. Like, it no. doesn't matter how bad of a gamer I am. Yeah. I don't care who she's being. I am not leaving this poor woman. Like, yes. I know um, technically she's dead already, but it's like, no, no, no. You know, it, no, it like that's, still. Like, no, we're not leaving yeah, her. So, no. Um, I, in all my playthroughs, I always make sure I take her. Same. Uh, with me but once you do that it's just kind of like it's it's Edward and then Anne and then Atabai who's like an assassin that Edward has encountered throughout his journeys um on this boat and and there's a bit where Atabai gives Edward like his gear uh, back like an actual assassin yeah yeah yeah. and he's like this time it's like it's it's symbolic it's like Edward has earned it this time um or he's going to be in the process like he's he's starting this kind of redemption arc as it were and so he's more worthy of wearing it now than when he kind of just killed Duncan. Took it took from it someone. Him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, God. And, and thus begins his quest to find Roberts again, to basically, you know, find Roberts again and kill him, basically, right? Mm-hmm. But damn. Um, let's also talk about um because i think this is when edward really just turns a corner for real 
And actually, you know, finally admits to himself that this is crazy. I can't, what I've done this uh, thus far is crazy and I can't keep doing this anymore. But there is this whole scene, I think, where he's, uh, where he has this drunken hallucination. When is that? Because again, one of the coolest scenes ever because he, because that's when he actually comes to his senses and realizes that he has to do the right thing and get the get that the key to the observatory back from Roberts. Let's talk about that too, because oh my god, again, so many cool things in this game, I mean, quite honestly. But yeah. Yeah, there, there's so many things, but I think that there's there's a bit um I think it might be afterwards. Um, so after they they escape and and Edward's kind of like going through this like phase where he's just trying to drown his sorrows and drink yeah. and, and he's just kind so. of like yeah. wallowing in, in misery and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and then I think Ade is the one who kind of finally finds him and like snaps him out of it. Yeah. And then like they start in earnest, I think, trying to like track all the Templars and get back to the observatory. Um, and you know, of course, deal with Roberts and that whole mess. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think I think like that drunken stupor kind of phase happens after. I believe I could be wrong. It's been a minute since I played this game. Same. Um, clearly, I need a refresher. <laughs> but, no, I think um, you're right. He goes into the that, and then he goes back to Tulum, uh, for, and then that's where he meets Anne again. And there's this crazy scene where Anne is just like the rough as they were I still miss all of them they're all gone and I still miss them and Edward just has to admit that he misses them too regardless mm -hmm. of everything it's just like I think again after all that this moment of clarity is when he finally realizes and he even admits to Ade that I haven't been an easy man to call friend I know and I'm going to make this right so that's when he actually, like you said, earnestly starts going through this whole thing to basically find Roberts and get the key to the observatory back and then go back to the observatory to basically, you know, finish the job. So again, such an amazing game because he, he, you go back to all the places that you visited, but now with the renewed um how should i put this a renewed mission or a new sense of purpose i'm guessing to just go around and fix right. the mistakes that he's made or something like that which is again it's a, an interesting change of pace to see because now you actually see how much edward has changed which again is what i was talking about when we say that edward's story is such a beautiful payoff in this honestly um Wow, so good. Um, again, and after all of this, my one of our favorite scenes is the very last one because the parting glass gets to me every single time. Every single time. Because after everything, they're back at the Grady Nagwa. And uh, it's just... It's, it's very uh, heartfelt. It's and, like... Yeah, and he finds out about his daughter. It's very, very emotional. Like, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really crazy. I think what makes it so emotional, it's like there's a number of things. It's like, yeah. and singing it is one. And then just like seeing all the people that have died, yeah. um, you know, including people who he hasn't necessarily called friend anymore. Like, yeah. uh, you know, he's Horn of Gold and Vane. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, you know, Mary is there, but um, it like that was emotional. And then, yeah, yeah he's meeting his daughter for the first time and who knows how long. Um, actually not the first time in ever um, yeah and, he didn't and, know, you know she his, his wife has unfortunately passed away yeah. yeah so it's like you know all these things and then you know as like the end credits are playing uh there's like a really cute scene between edward and his daughter jenny where they're sailing back um yeah to the uk mm-hmm. or yeah he was living in wales wasn't he he is from wales um, and, and yeah like, He's from Wales, but I think he was living in Wales too, wasn't he? I think Bristol. So, living somewhere in the UK. Okay, never mind. Not Wales. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in the UK. Uh, yeah. And and they're they're going back home. And there's like a really cute conversation between them. Yeah. But uh, I think the last scene is is Edward back in the UK, and he's attending an opera with Jenny and his son Haytham, who we know goes on to become <laughs> the. Grand we have thoughts about Haytham. Generation. We'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, there's all of that. Um, again, a beautiful into a beautiful story, really. Because again, I cannot say enough cool things about this game. But there are a few things I would like to talk about gameplay-wise, uh, because there's. While the mechanics were good, I think the upgrade system was very frustrating. Like, you had to really... I mean, after a while, it kind of gets easier because once you start looting warehouses and, you know, you know, you know, looting ships and everything, you kind of get the hang of it. But it's still a lot of... It still takes a lot for you to upgrade the Jackdaw to that level yeah um it's i i don't know i i liked actually doing the warehouses mm-hmm. i don't know if a lot of other people did but i found them really fun and once mm-hmm. i kind of figured out a pattern of like what to do and how yeah. to get to like a warehouse without triggering the alarm yeah it was very easy to get resources yes. and then get like extra money to you know spend on other things yep. and um the the ships too I liked plundering the the ships oh, I found that a lot of fun it was so much but, fun um yeah. yeah in terms of upgrading I mean there was some stuff where I, I think for me the hardest thing was the hunting because uh, mm. I am a terrible aim and I just I I can't hit certain things and, and you know there things like sharks and whales where it's just Plus like the whole harpooning thing. no more yeah, than too yeah. much effort I I kind of feel like I understand that you needed to do it and that, and that these are digital, so no real animals were harmed, but it kind of feels gory to do what he did, yeah. quite honestly. No, it, it, it definitely is, but I mean, yeah, I think that's that wasn't something I was fond of either, yeah. um, especially because like I love whales, I love learning yeah. about them, I love seeing them, and it was hard yeah. to to have to like harpoon them all the time and also yeah. like I mean 
I have so many questions about that. Like why, uh, how, I mean, these were guys in like little tiny long boats. I mean, they're tiny compared to like a whale oh, and they essentially just got sure. like sharp sticks to like spear of, you know, several thousand pound animal. Yeah. Um, and I just like, I can't, I could never, <laughs> you couldn't pay me to, to ever do that for a number no, of no. reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the harpooning was annoying. Um, and, and the hunting was annoying too, yeah. especially like, I think it was, was it the Jaguar pelts that you had to get for like one of the higher level upgrades? And it's yeah, like those I things think just hide so. in the bushes and I could never find them in the bushes. Yeah, that's true. The Jaguar pelts, the black, ja- I think there's one white Jaguar pelt and one, black jaguar pelt something they had a real assortment of all of these to be honest with you you're right but again whatever this lag made it it made up for in story and the soundtrack and oh my god once again oh shout god. out to brian tyler and sarah shackman and everyone who worked on the soundtrack and such good voice acting all the way around like oh my, oh god. my god just it, yeah amazing it, it was just perfect like i mean for all of Ubisoft's faults, I think that's the one thing that they've always consistently done really well in. Yeah. They've always get the good, uh, they always get like a really stellar voice cast and they mm-hmm. get amazing composers to work on the score. Yep. And they've chosen some really, really interesting historical time periods to play around in. Yep. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I we're kind of in like a limbo right now. We don't know what the next Assassin's Creed game is going to be. Yeah. There's all sorts of like reports and stuff about what it might be. But um, I'm hoping that whatever it is, it's just, like, as much fun as, like, this game and then all the other games were. All the games that we've had the pleasure of playing so far. For sure. I absolutely agree. Um, And if you stay with us or stuck with us throughout our ravings and rantings for Black Flag, we thank you so much and we really appreciate you. We will definitely be back next week with another episode, hopefully with either Moon Knight or Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Hopefully. So we'll think about, uh, we will definitely do one of those. Technical glitches. Yeah, barring any technical glitches. These are the, uh, these are uh, the two things that we are definitely looking forward to podcasting. So thank you guys. We really appreciate you and we will see you again next week. Thanks guys. Thank you. As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers. The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com.